Can tech bring James Dean back from the dead? And we have more updates on the T-Mobile Sprint merger. Stay tuned for your Daily Charge. Welcome to the Daily Charge. It's Thursday, November 7th. I'm Aya Zaktar. I'm Ben Fox Rubin. And here are today's top stories. The Hollywood Reporter ran an article that says James Dean will be brought back on film. Now, James Dean has been dead since 1955. Also, the role is considered the secondary lead. So you're going to get a lot of CG James Dean. The film is called Finding Jack, by the way. The CEO of CMG Worldwide, which represents Dean's family, said, quote, This opens up a whole new opportunity for many of our clients who are no longer with us. Ben, just because we have this technology, should we be doing this? Is this right? Uh, is it right? Uh, look, we'll see if the movie is successful because, unfortunately, if it is successful, you'll see a lot of copycatting. That's how Hollywood. That's how Hollywood works. That's how a lot of entertainment works. Um, the problem that I have here from reading the Hollywood Reporter story mm-hmm. is that. Uh, they said that they spent a lot of time trying to find the right secondary lead for this part and then determined that a CGI James Dean was their best option. I'm not buying that. Yeah. I mean, how bad is your talent pool such that you can't go like, it's hey, not you know, possible. like James Franco's pretty close. Like he kind of looks like him. Sure. Trying to do the role, maybe. Or maybe you can find an unknown. But yes, yeah, definitely sounds like a gimmick. But the idea that the. The talent agency is like, oh, a lot of our guys are happy to be dead. We can bring them back. It just sounds like a terrible, terrible idea. So if you want to look at this very cynically, too, this has the possibility, going back to your James Franco example, of avoiding having to pay uh, very large sums of money to living, well-known actors and instead putting a completely unknown person in a CGI outfit and then slapping a James Dean skin on them and then calling it a day. It is entirely possible that they would save a lot of money doing this, but I'm not really sure what the dollars and cents are here. So you're thinking that there's going to be a mocap man or mocap person running around on stage with whoever the actual lead is. What is mocap? Motion capture. Mocap. Okay. Yes. Yes. I am totally with it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they they are hiring an actor to do the voice, though, of James Dean. So the question whether... This is a terrible idea. I, I don't I don't love it. And uh, we've we've certainly seen other examples of this before, but certainly not for a lead character. Like, for instance, Carrie Fisher is mm-hmm. a good example where they did a young version of Carrie Fisher for one of the Star Wars movies. But young Carrie Fisher didn't exist anymore. She was older Carrie Fisher at that point. So it, it's in that part, it's unavoidable. And I would have been or I'm, I'm more OK with that example. I don't know. I just, I'm really curious what this is going to do. Could this CG James Dean win an Academy Award? If, is it possible? You're hurting my head, I ask. Okay. So let's, let's, let's put that <laughs> I, aside. I just don't know. <laughs> let's put that aside. We're less than a week away from the launch of Disney Plus. The company announced on Twitter that Avengers Endgame is coming to the US, Canada, and the Netherlands on November 12th, which is the launch day. Originally, Endgame was supposed to hit the new service on December 11th. Ben, why would. Disney needs such a heavy hitter on day one. Uh, they're flooding the zone. It's pretty obvious what they're doing. They're really trying to push as much content on day one as possible uh, in an effort to try to beat out Netflix and everybody else, HBO Max, 
there's just so much competition in the streaming world right now. Disney Plus has a lot of people's attention. Um, I think Apple TV Plus just launched, mm-hmm. right? So why not Endgame? You're going to add it in a month later anyway. So just throw it all out there. Well, here's why. Because what about the server load on day one? They're flipping the switch on, on a Tuesday. People will have tons and tons of content to watch, including that new Star Wars television show, that brand new original that nobody's ever seen. At least Endgame's been out for a while. So people have seen it. They've seen it on home video already. Now it'll be on the streaming service. It just seems like a a smarter idea would be to kind of stagger out your releases to see how your network responds because if everybody goes nuts about this relatively cheap service, they could be facing lots of delays. Remember the HBO and when it came to Game of Thrones, people were seeing terrible, terrible compressed versions of yeah, video if they could see it at all. Lags, yeah. yeah, so what do, what do you think about that? Is Disney super confident in themselves? Uh, it's a great question. Especially because you're mentioning the Game of Thrones example. My immediate impression here was a company the size of Disney should be able to mitigate some of those issues. If you remember, they purchased BAM Tech mm-hmm. a couple of years ago specifically to be able to manage large streaming loads. So if they're not prepared for what will happen on the 12th, which is very, very soon, then that's their own damn fault. Like that's, that's, they should know what's coming. So, um, that's, but at the same time, you make a good point that this happened to HBO. Game of Thrones is obviously also super popular. So it is possible they may end up with some egg on their face over this, uh, but hopefully they, they've prepared themselves properly. Yeah, we're otherwise looking at a bunch of Wednesday stories saying, I couldn't watch anything on Disney+. Plus. The world's over. I'm going to have to wait till you know, tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, T-Mobile has three new programs. They're launching a $15 a month phone plan, free 5G to police, firefighters, and EMTs for the next decade, offering 10 million households with children home broadband access, a mobile hotspot, and a tablet for free. All of this sounds great, but T-Mobile says they won't do any of this unless it merges with Sprint. Now, T-Mobile has approval to merge with Sprint by the FCC and the Justice Department. Attorneys General from 15 states and and Washington, D.C. are opposing the merger. Ben, do you think with all of these, like, what seems to be excellent ideas, are that, is that finally going to get these attorneys general to drop this case and T-Mobile and Sprint will finally merge? Uh, no. I feel like those attorneys general have their own specific uh, concerns and issues relating to this plan. And they might even perceive these gimmies as... Uh, problematic. It might even blow up in T-Mobile and Sprint's face in that saying, hey, these all sound like really positive things. You're going to help uh, more low-income people. You're going to help uh, emergency responders. Why wouldn't you do that anyway? Why are you trying to force through this deal and you're claiming that this is the only way that you're actually going to get these done? Now, T-Mobile would argue that we need Sprint's assets to be able to complete these things. Mm. But at the same time, I can kind of see the talking points from the attorneys general to kind of twist this in such a way that it's not going to sound as positive as T-Mobile wants. But T-Mobile is going to come back with the idea that T-Mobile estimates that this this free 5G to police or 4G, whatever the coverage area is, is going to save local departments $7.7 billion. Yeah. So maybe that would be a way to twist their arms, but it, you're right. It just seems like a sleazy move. It's like, we're going to do these great bit. things, but you know what? Not until you let us merge with these guys who are obviously floundering. Uh, keeping Sprint around this long, though, seems like it's just, it's like watching... 
No, I can't say that. It's like, it's like a suffering yes. animal. It's like you've got to put it's this true. thing out of its misery. Uh, sprint, obviously, it's actually pretty accurate when it comes to Sprint. Uh, sprint is in a lot of trouble and they really need the T-Mobile lifeline at this point. Uh, so, And it's important to mention that the Justice Department and the FCC have already given this approval. It's been a year and a half since the merger was announced. So it, we're really getting to the point where... T-Mobile is putting out its best cards at the table and they're saying like, can we consummate this deal or not? We really want to get this done. We're, we're trying to do everything we possibly can. Uh, so this does kind of feel sleazy, but you have to remember the context for which it, we're, we're really at the end game here. Crashed reference to a previous yeah, story. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was a great callback. I was stunned in silence due to the brilliance of that. This <laughs> deal has gone on for so long that T-Mobile is actually going to launch its 5G network on December 6th. Oh, so, wow. like, they're not T-Mobile Sprint or whatever new T-Mobile is going to be. They still are moving forward. So, wow. End game. Okay. For the Daily Charge, I'm Ayaz Akhtar. I'm Ben Fox Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Can't get enough? Check out The Daily Supercharge, our extended post show with special features, audience Q&A, and in-depth reviews. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.